Now, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. edition of the program. I'm Bobby Curran along with Tanner Hayworth and between us we'll try and survey the world of sports, pros, colleges, high schools, other sporting events taking place here with guests and giveaways and your phone calls. Okay, headlines this morning. A big stunner uh, when the U.S. women's national team lost to Mexico. That just doesn't happen. And that, in fact, it almost never happens to any CONCAF team. It's just not how it works. And, and this time it did. And the U.S. may have some issues going back to last year's World Cup that they need to fix. Does that mean sometimes in, in this, these situations, you know it can mean change the coach? I, I don't know that that's... I don't know if that would be a knee-jerk. Maybe somebody who's a soccer expert might weigh in on that. That would be fine with me. Uh, do you have an opinion on that, Tanner? No? No, I, I don't either, really, to be honest. I couldn't tell you. Uh, is this something that's fixable? Is this something that's a coaching issue? I mean, I, I think that's very interesting, but I don't know much about it, and I wouldn't be the one to weigh in on it. So, But I can tell you that it seems to shock everybody. I mean, people are very, very surprised by this. This has been a streak that had lasted 23-plus years, 80, uh, 80 matches. I mean, that's older than some of the uh, U.S. women's national team players. I mean, how's that? That just that tells you it's been a while, and it's going to cause some. Uh, it's going to cause reverberations throughout the sport. I think that's just inevitable. But anybody has an, a, a real opinion on that that they want to express, please feel free. And you can call us at eight zero eight seven. What is it? Seven. Say again. Two nine six fourteen twenty. There we go, and uh, feel free just to weigh in and uh, give us your thought on that. Okay, a couple of other newsy items. It looks like the Chicago Bears have uh, finished with Justin Fields. When reading the tea leaves, it looks like he's they're done with him. I'm not sure that's their best move, but it looks like it's the one they're going to make. Do you, would you feel that? Any of these top three picks that would be available to them if they decided to uh, trade Justin Fields? Do you think any of them are absolutely guaranteed better than Justin Fields? Well, I think Caleb Williams has great potential to be greater than Justin Fields. And I would probably say the same for Drake May, maybe Jaden Daniels. That's the thing about the draft. You don't really know 
who's going to be the outright best guy who's going to actually hit. I think the most important part about going away from Justin Fields, however, is mostly resetting that rookie quarterback clock. Because as we all know, sometimes the best Super Bowl teams make it to the Super Bowl just because their starting quarterback is still on that rookie deal. They could still use a lot more money outside of just investing it only into the quarterback to invest into better parts of the team. I think that's the most important part when it comes to the Chicago Bears um, going away from Justin Fields. Because after this year, they'll have to make that decision to re-sign him or not. And with the $30 million uh, hike in the salary cap that we saw from last week, he's definitely going to be being paid more than $40 million. Uh, I wouldn't even be surprised if 50 is the number by the time he gets into free agency. Could be. I don't, I don't know if he's quite that good, but it doesn't seem to matter how good you are at this, this stage. I mean, there is sort of a market level a lot of people felt that Daniel Jones shouldn't have gotten forty million, but that's just how that's the market, and that was he's a New York player, and New York believes that it's players at starting quarterback should make a lot of money. That they're they're good with that. They'll pinch at other spots. I think what they're doing with Saquon Barkley is silly. I mean, I think they need to just come up and say, look, we can't give you. You know, $15 million. But we're going to give you 12 I mean, I, I just think that the guy's earned that. And he's been a great citizen, too. So, to me, stop messing around, pay the guy, and let him get on with it. He wants to, he said already, he wants to uh, end his career in New York. I, when a guy tells you that, and he's been a great player and a great citizen, make it happen, is my thought. I, I don't see why you wouldn't. Uh, go ahead and give him couple of years and I think if they do that I think Saquon Barkley will be as he was the last time he will be the right guy and he'll be a guy you're happy to have I, I just don't understand sometimes what they're thinking are you thinking that there's someone else out there so much better because I just don't see it do you I mean I, I, I sometimes they're they're waiting for something that I don't think exists uh, at times. And, and I think it's that case with Saquon Barkley. Yeah, he had injury things. He was the best player in the league, best rookie in the league when he came into it. And then he had an injury. And so he's not been 100%, but he was last year. And he was pretty damn good. So I think that probably you may be in search of something that doesn't exist. You're looking for someone as good as Saquon, Saquon Barkley, and they don't grow on trees. Just saying. And that's just how it is. I'll be a little surprised if they don't make an effort to sign him when push comes to shove. But we'll see, because you, we all know running backs are a disrespected position. That's just how it is. Uh, I think we're going to talk with... We'll have a, a little conversation with Stephen Sy about this kind of thing in just a little while, and uh, it'll be fun to talk about. Let let's do let's. I, you know, I don't think we don't know. I don't know even in is is Chevin Cordero going to be drafted? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. My guess is he'll get into a camp, but I don't know if he'll be drafted. Does that seem crazy? I mean, his statistics are very good. The eye test is somewhat revealing about his 
size and strength and et cetera, which you can make an impression with at the combine if you're there, but you can't do it if you're not. Uh, go ahead if you have something you want to chat about. I'd love to hear from you. 808-296-1420 is the number. And uh, go ahead and lay it on us. And uh, you may have a best pick in the draft. I don't really. I mean, even among the three quarterbacks, I can't really decide between, you know, Caleb Williams and uh, and Drake May and uh, Jalen Williams. I'm not. I couldn't guarantee you who's the best of that group. I don't think. Uh, I say Jalen Williams. I meant Jalen Daniels. And, and uh, you know, they're all good players. I don't think there's a one guy there that's the guarantee that if you don't take him, you're a moron. I don't think there's that guy this year. And let's face it, most years there's not that guy. <clears throat> most times there is a level of argument about who's going to be the best. Is this guy Is this guy someone who throws people open, for example? That's a big question always. Is, it, is he someone who has to see a break before he throws it? Well, some guys do. Some guys aren't comfortable letting it go until they know exactly where it's going and who it's going to. That's not, that is not the way the current NFL runs. They want guys to throw people open. And if you can't do it, you're probably going to have a short stay in the league, would be my guess. And uh, I love, and I want to hear from you right now. Go ahead and call us. We have time right before we go to the break. And I'd love to get your thought. Who do you think will be the best quarterback in this class? Okay, that's a reasonable question. There's a lot of them, though, and it's not a trick question, but it's a tough question. And uh, go ahead if you have a thought on it. 808-296-1420 is that. Now, I'm glad I'm not responsible because there's a lot of ways a general manager can get himself in trouble in these drafts. I mean, if you if you happen, you can mess up two ways. You cannot draft a guy who turns out to be great. Or you can spend a high pick, your number one pick, on someone who just doesn't pan out at all. Either way is just as treacherous to your, uh, to your survival in the league at a general manager position. I think it's a tough job. 808-296-1420. I think at times, at certain positions, there's a guy, maybe a third rounder, that you'll say, that got to have that guy at rush end. Uh, and that might be true. But if you're wrong, and if the guy can't play dead, there's trouble. There's trouble in your future. Uh, because those draft picks, the draft capital, as they call it now, is so important I mean, you're not, if you blow a whole draft, you are not going to do very well as a team. Just how it is. Let's do this. Let's take a quick timeout. We'll be back with Steve inside. We'll talk a little uh, spring fling and uh, his thoughts about the University of Hawaii, coaching shifts, etc. Right after this on the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN, Honolulu.
Welcome back on this Wednesday edition of the program, 17 minutes past 6 o'clock. We have as our guest today, Stephen Tsai, uh, from the Honolulu Star Advertiser, who covers every sport. But this in particular, I wanted to get to him about football. He's been to quite a few of the 15 practices, and he got a chance to see some. Now, I, I should mention, because I went there on uh, Sunday, and I... I did notice there's a ton of people out. Some were held out. Some were injured. There's a ton of offensive linemen injured. Hopefully none will be out past, you know, maybe a, a reasonable recovery period, maybe a month or two, where they'll be ready to go for the season. Stephen, how are you? Okay, doing well. And how are you? Okay. Is that mostly what you would say the deal is? It's, it's mostly injuries that people can come back from? Right. And, and they're also, also because um, – uh, spring training was so close to the end of the regular season that a lot of guys who had season-ending injuries last year, like Logan uh, Taylor, are still recovering. But uh, Logan expects to be uh, uh, good to go for uh, a start of training camp in the summer and uh, probably player uh, run pr- uh, practices also in the summer. So, um, yes, uh, I, I think having the, uh, the ca- uh, camp start so early probably contribute to a lot of guys not being available to play. There are a lot of, some guys had off-season uh, surgeries, but um, it also was intended to, to increase the off-season workout program and get guys ready for training camp. You know, Logan Taylor is a, is a real story. He had come up to me and introduced himself. I already knew who he was, but because I just thought he's a beast. He was one of those guys that you wouldn't have known he was hurt almost the way he acted you'd expect him to go in any second but he's he's that prototypical linebacker it seems to me but he came up to tell me how how he had seen my story on video and how much he enjoyed it and admired and you know, on and on and i i thought wow that's that's pretty cool uh that he's someone who pays attention but he's a christian and he he's uh, he saw one of the church uh things i had done and uh, it was so nice to hear from him like that because he, he just was so human. You know, as much as he's a beast of a football player, he's got a, he's got a real people side too. Yeah, and if you look at him, um, you think that he's got this kind of really short hair and the kind of growl on his face. Uh, that he's, he's a really tough guy. He's really, really great uh, teammate, great guy, and really great person. And he's a great father too. He's got two sons and uh, – um, he's just an amazing guy, and but he's a very loud guy because um, I decided yes. to watch the game in the, in the press box and it's enclosed, but you know you get a better view of the the whole um, scene and everything. And uh, I can hear him from the sidelines. Yeah, on the other sideline, you can hear him, and he's still yelling. And that's how he is every practice. He's yelling and uh, and he's encouraging his players. But uh, they, they tell me everyone has a value to the team, and his value, if he can't be out there practicing, is to, to encourage and teach people and and, and get them to um, you know play better. And uh, and I think that's uh, he's been very helpful. You know what's funny is because Chris Brown is his coach, his linebacker coach, but I can't think of a guy offhand who more reminds me of Chris Brown as a player than than Logan Taylor. Yeah, you're right. And and the thing about him, too, is he's such a generous guy. Um, he was named uh, preseason captain. He went to the Mountain West Media, uh, media Days uh, last summer. And then he gets hurt really early in the season. And he says, you know what? Um, I, I can't be on the field, but Isaiah Tufanga is, is sort of my brother in football, and, and I want him to be captain. And he uh, asked Timmy, and they said, sure. And they made uh, they made him ta- uh, 
as a captain. That's one of those things where some guys just really hold on to that captain's title because they work so hard for it, but he's felt, um, I can't be an on-field captain. I want to give it to someone who can. Uh, that's, I thought that was really generous of him. Yeah, I agree with you. I, don't, I, I think a lot of people wouldn't have done that. They would have felt that that was their remaining connection to the team. And uh, and I think that's, but I think that's in keeping with the kind of person he is. Actually, let's get to this, Stephen. Impressions. Anybody that stood out to you from watching? And I should say, and I, I will say that it was it's a very controlled scrimmage because there's just a lot of guys that aren't ready to go. Right, and 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 I and the thing was, I think. Um, to me, initially, just want to make it a, a practice. I think it was more of the administration that kind of pushed for a larger deal. But he, he just the reason they had the practice is they really wanted to get in all their practice work in early and then hit, hit the off-season training program. And uh, I, I think um, so they tried their best to make it entertaining and interactive, uh, but it was also just meant to be the 15th practice. And this is sort of like what they do every practice. There's more um, individual and team drills practice, but that's kind of what they want to do. So in that regard, if people were coming out there to see like uh, how Shager and all those other people have done, I think they've already logged their um, their, their work. Um, so uh, people really came out to see Michael Alejado uh, throw, and, and he threw very well. And I think they, they had to be impressed with John Calvi, Sagan Polizelli, He's also had a tremendous spring, and uh, it's it's going to be an interesting. Um, I wouldn't say battle because Shaker's still going to be the number one quarterback, but um, I think of, of of the four quarterbacks they have in uh, camp right now, I don't see who can be the scout quarterback because all four of them look like they have a chance to, to play and, and contribute this year. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. They have, as Dan Morrison says, they have four guys that can throw, and uh, that's not always the case on the college football team. Right, and that's a throw, but also have a great understanding of the offense, and uh, it brings so much uh, different things to it. And Saga Polatelli has been uh, helped, um, of course, by Morrison and uh, everybody, but he's also been helped by Cayman Shutter, uh, who coaches at Punahou, and he's a former uh, uh, UH player who's been in the offense. And Shutter was very instrumental in helping Brian Muniz understand the offense. So before. Dan Morrison became the quarterback whisperer. I, I think Cameron uh, um, Shutter was the quarterback whisperer uh, for for Brian Moniz, and it just seems like Kelvin Sagapol Telly just really got a lot of background and uh, history and footwork and great stuff uh, um, for this offense. I think everybody will pay attention uh, to the quarterbacks, and I agree with you because even showing up over there and talking to other fans, everybody wanted to see Alejado. I if I was if I was Shager, I would almost be irritated by that because it's like I'm a chop liver. I've been here forever, and uh, you know, and I've tried to. Well, except except for when he wasn't here forever for that, that, that a couple of days when he uh, entered the portal. But um, he's been seems to be in base really well. And uh, but again, you know, uh, I was guy was tremendous high school career. A local guys come back home, and uh, I think that's. Uh, He's an intriguing story, and uh, and I think uh, uh, I know a lot of people say, well, you have one or the other. The great thing for Hawaii is they've got Shager and they have Alejado, so it's, it's, it's kind of a nice deal that uh, uh, they never have to choose between one or the other. They have both. Yeah, no, I, I actually think that's a, a plus. There's going to come a point, it may not be this year, but there's going to come a point, I think, where guys like Alejado and uh, Sangapolatella are going to be on the field. 
uh, I don't think there's any question about that because you can't only stay for four years. So it's – and I think Shager looks like the kind of guy that's – you know, he may be the kind with a great year that could get into a camp. Yeah, I think so. He's, 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 and he's well-coached. He's really improved every year. And I, and I think one of the things that they kind of held back on him uh, was, was his running. But he's a tremendous runner, and he's a big, strong guy. And uh, he, uh, he squat-lifted 450 uh, last, year, last year, and there, there's, there's some thought that he actually probably could squat-lift uh, 500 if he really tried to. But I'm not sure if they want to really press your quarterback into uh, um, you know, uh, lifting that much. After all, they said uh, football doesn't weigh that much, right? No question. Let, let me get to the areas that you think that will be areas of concern coming into the season. I think probably um, the offensive line, but not so much the offensive line being a concern of, of, of talent or depth there. It's just, it's just a lot of newness there. You know, um, um, Atkins, Josh Atkins who started left tackle, transferred, and Eliki uh, um, um, Tanabasa has graduated. So uh, there's some um, Parts you have to have to fix over there. So they've been moving some guys around, and uh, I think that's going to be uh, an area that uh, um, will be an adjustment. But I think it should be okay. And one of the big deals is, and it appears Derek Bobby is going to be the guy, the guy who gets the job permanently. It was he, um, in 2005 when they had Colt Brennan, when they had Devon Best, Ryan Grice Mullins, um, uh, Michael Lafayette. It was a tremendous team. The MVP of that team was Derek Favi, the center, and I think uh, um, he's really shown. Um, um, a lot of great techniques uh, that are needed to um, run in this offense. He's got the experience, and he's uh, become a, a pretty good leader and instructor, and I think uh, that's going to be a, a huge difference uh, this year. I think Roman Sapolo did a tremendous job, but I think Derek uh, Favre is also going to be a pretty good addition. Should be. I mean, I think the experience and knowing the systems, and that's that's invaluable. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the thing was... Um, when uh, when they switched to run and shoot offense, um, uh, Robin Sapolo um, um, was sent to Texas, where he worked under um, uh, Dennis McKnight, McKnight to kind of learn a little bit about the um, intricacies of the run and shoot um, offenses blocking. And um, in this camp, uh, McKnight came over and helped uh, and Eric Bobby. So you, you've had a lot of mentorship, a lot of leadership, a lot of experience um, working with this offensive line. So I think while the offensive line is uh, under construction, it's good that they have uh, pretty good, I guess, foremen leading them. What's your thought about the defensive line? I think it's. Um, I think they've got a lot of really, really good guys. They've, they've got uh, Dion Washington who came over from. Uh, um, uh, Nevada, and then, of course, Sauce Williams is back. And uh, I think uh, anytime you're being coached by uh, Jeff Reinbold, you're, you're, first of all, learning the game, but also learning different ways to prepare for the game. And um, the, the man they call the Sun God is really incredible about getting these guys in shape, getting them focused, and doing a lot of yoga, yoga and boxing. And, and he's sort of like the Mr. Miyagi of, of coaching, where it seems like things that he's um, teaching you have no bearing a relationship to the game, but it actually does. And he's, he's, he's mastered the wax on, wax off concept. Okay, that sounds good. Any concerns about the receiving core? I kind of thought that would be a strength coming in. Do you still think that? I think it's a strength. It's also, I think it's getting stronger. Um, Carlito Capitang uh, had... Um, was injured last year, and uh, he's really kind of come on. He's sort of the star of uh, uh, spring ball. He's just been an amazing player. And also, uh, a guy, uh, Tamo Liata, um, 
was probably the was probably the player of the year two years ago offensively. Comes out Waipahu, he was a running back, quarterback, receiver, tremendous athlete. Uh, he gray shirted, allowed him to um, just to get better and stronger and and and, and sort of um, help out because there's, there was a glut of receiver last year, and I think he's gonna. Uh, people are finally going to get to see him play, and he can do so many different things. That, uh, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be uh, helping receiver room, running back's room, and, and hey, if they need someone to uh, play quarterback and walk at quarterback, he's, he's the guy. That's, you know, that's, that is valuable. If he gets on the field, where is it most likely to be on first? I think a uh, receiver for now. But, um, okay. Uh, but I, again, he can do so many different things, and and that's the deal. with there's a lot of versatility um, on this offense. Um, Tylen Hines, for uh, I guess he's almost being referred to as a, a slashback because he's a running. But he's he's supposed to be a running back, but he plays. Uh, he does so well at receiver that uh, no one really uh, knows what position he is. But he can move him all over the place. Well, that can only yeah. help, right? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, they can help because I think a lot of depth at running back now. It's fair to say that Tylen Hines had to be had a disappointing year last year, not through any particular fault of his own, but he was never a hundred percent healthy, and he'd been, I think, one of the leading freshmen in the country the year before, hadn't he? Right. So he was. Um, um, I, I, he ended up a redshirt and getting a medical redshirt because he, I believe, he only played in four games. Um, he started out um, well, then he, then he got hurt, and he just couldn't get healthy. And there, there's some times where he was able to sort of practice during the week, but on game day, he just wasn't ready. And then they, they felt they had to shut him down, and uh, so they preserved his year. But he's, a, he's an outstanding player, but he's now a player who can play so many different positions. Uh, they'd always talked about him doing that, but they actually found a lot of different roles for him. And uh, uh, that's good because there are a lot of good running backs out there uh, on that team right now. And one of the guys that's going to be interesting to look at is uh, Derek Boyd, who probably would have been in the rotation last year, except he, uh, he tore his, uh, I think his ACL uh, oh. during player their practices. His name's Derek Boyd, mm-hmm. but he's uh, he's a tremendous running back, and uh, uh, he should be fully healthy uh, by uh, summer, and uh, I think he's going to be a big contributor this year. Is there a name you haven't mentioned that you think, watch out, because this guy could be something special? Um, I just think there's just uh, a lot of guys that uh, – uh, one of the good things that they did uh, was um, is that the December um, recruiting period has become so, so important. And I think but, but because of that, you're getting a lot of guys that um, um, can come in at mid-year um, and really contribute. And I, I think that's, that's kind of been the help. So there's just a lot, of, a lot more players who are um, ready or competing to learn the offense earlier. And, and it goes all the way to Mike Alejado who um, is supposed to be in his the last semester at uh, Bishop Gorman High School, but he decided he's going to – I think he took nine credits uh, in, in, the, in the fall. He graduated early, and then he was able to participate in spring ball. And, uh, and that's, that's always a, a help when you have a freshman that can come in the semester early. And he's still not going to miss anything because he says he's go back for the graduation ceremonies and, and his senior prom. Well, I can't blame him for wanting to go back. If he does, so that's, uh, I don't know when that takes place, probably, what, April? Uh, May, I think. Oh, May, okay. Then I, I can understand someone wanting to participate in that. You've been to, if you've gone to high school the whole time there, it's like, well, let's finish it out. But I yeah. think he got a nice head start by getting, with this early spring practices, it allows for him to do both. 
Yeah, he, and he did very well. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, and the other guy I think you're talking about, the guy who has been got a lot of doses, uh, Ethan Spencer. He was a really good center at St. Louis. He's come over uh, here. He can play guard. He can play center. And, and he's, he's been uh, he's been really, really uh, good. And uh, he's, he's not the biggest uh, lineman, offensive lineman, but he knows the techniques and he will play a lot this year. Let, let me ask you, so switch gears for a second. What is your thought? The Very obviously, the University of Hawaii men's basketball team has him made and undergone a change, and it's some of its personnel, and they've taken a slightly different approach and much more aggressive on offense, and, man, they look better. I think so, and I think they're, uh, they admitted that they're, uh, they're playing faster and they're getting into their offense quicker. Um, I think a lot of times that uh, they would take a, a little bit time to sort of get into their offense uh, but now I think they're really attacking it a lot and uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the, um, the uh, Juan Munoz getting extended minutes and uh, also uh, I, I think that uh, Justin McCoy has been uh, having incredible uh, past few games and he's, he's sort of the guy that everyone thought he, he should be or could be just because of uh, where he played before in North Carolina and Virginia but he's, he's kind of taken on he He's uh, not just not only has he improved as an inside shooter. Of course, you can always outside shoot from outside, but he's uh, he's been a very good defender, especially especially with um, more sec out that he's able to help out a lot more in the uh, low post and play a little center uh, um, when uh, Bernardo needs a break. Well, I'm telling you, they're fun to watch, and dare we hope? Because I have you know, had my hopes up a couple of different seasons. And it's always fallen short, but I think this team has a chance. Of course, with a single loss and out, if you don't get a double buy, because I think a triple buy is out of the question at this. I mean, the I, if you don't get a double buy, a single buy, a double buy, I think is out of the question already. So that's. I, my... I think it is, except for some reason uh, during yesterday's news conference, they kept talking about the, uh, still having a chance at uh, getting the second seed. Um, and I, I oh. haven't. That's a, the numbers, but second seed is a double buy. But I kind of like the way the uh, the format is this year uh, because there's uh, a lot of co- the, the regular season does matter a lot because now there's competition to for, first to make the 18 tournament, then to either uh, you know finish in the top four uh, uh, seeds so that you get a uh, well, at least one buy, and then uh, then of course uh, finishing the top two and you get two buys. So. Uh, it just seems like there's a lot more importance to the, uh, the regular season games this year. You know, I had a discussion with Iran the other night. On, I'd call the coach on whether or not a do- what's the value of a double buy. Obviously, I think a single buy is terrific. Is a double buy almost too much? I, I think so because a lot of times you've seen um, uh, teams, lower seed teams, um, play through them. Um, and sometimes just playing a lot of games kind of gets you um, – Kind of gets you going and gets the momentum going, and uh, sometimes if you if you sit too long, then a, a little bit rough can take uh, place. So I think it's a uh, difference, but the, but uh, but I do think there, there, it is nice to get some reward for finishing so high, especially in, in the grind of a twenty game regular season. Yeah, I, I hear you, Stephen. Thanks so much. Are you going to be enjoying your time up in uh, Henderson? I suspect at the Dollar Loan Center. Yeah, the trouble with the dollar loan center is if you ever try to Google map it or whatever how you map things, um, when you type in dollar loan center, it sends you to all these different places where you can, I guess, get a loan. Wow, I guess, well, it makes it, it's a, it needs to be like dollar loan arena or something like that. Yeah, so you can get find it more easily. That would make sense yeah. to me, too. Thank you, Stephen.
right, take care. Stephen Tsai from the Honolulu Star Advertiser. We've got to take a quick timeout. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back. It's uh, 20 minutes in front of 7 o'clock, and we have a, a, a good full day for you today because it's going to be Chris and Gary, the Sports Animals, up next. And uh, you have a lot of things to talk about. I wonder, I'd love to hear what Gary had to say because I know he pays attention to these things. One of my favorite players from a couple of years ago was Dante DiVincenzo. And he was on that Villanova national championship team. And he's a local kid from Pennsylvania. And I had picked him out as the best two guard I thought available, available in that draft. And there were a couple of them. There was a kid at Miami. Uh, there was another one. I'm trying to remember where he was from. But I had, I had said I liked – a lot of people liked the Miami kid better. But I liked him. And I think he turned out he, – he had a really good year with San Francisco last year. I was a little surprised the Warriors didn't sign him. I thought they might try to keep him. Instead, he went to the New York Knicks. He's having a pretty good season there. And the Knicks are having a pretty good season. But he was involved in a uh, what some people said was the most unbelievable non-call of the year in the NBA because he just basically laid somebody out. And then we saw somebody laid out in the Texas Tech game yesterday. The Texas te Texas player. It's a rivalry game, but this guy this guy didn't make even a legitimate attempt to go to the ball. I didn't think. I mean, I was saying, okay, that's a that's a that's an ejection all day long, and it turned out it was. And the announcers were kind of back and forth. Should it be? Shouldn't it be? Tana, you said you saw it. You were watching it during uh, your show last night. Did you? Did you? Did you think right away that's an ejection? I think it. I think it deserved to be at least a hard foul, like a flagrant. At least the ejection makes sense, and also at the same time, you're playing it at Texas Tech. You also had fans throwing stuff onto the court. So it kind of felt like, all right, um, this dude is probably attracting a lot of negative attention. There's only 10 minutes left in the game. They're down, 20, they're down 25. Let's just get this kid out of here and let's make this easier for everyone else. Well, I thought that was a good decision, even when you analyze that kind of perspective, because they really didn't need – that was a tinder keg – I thought, and uh, I thought that could go and just explode at any moment, especially with a fan base that was riled up. I, I thought good decision by the officials because what's the purpose? It's a, the game's over for all intents and purposes, and you don't want to let people think that's acceptable. I think uh, my favorite part about that was while that was all going on, then a camera panned over to one of the uh, the staircases from the bottom of the court going into the concourse, Four security officers holding a single fan as they're carrying him up the concourse. He's handcuffed and he's shouting obscenities. Uh, starts, starts the chant for Texas Tech, um, eliciting their distaste towards UT. I think that's the best way to uh, say that without adding a bleep, if that makes sense. Well, and especially when you got the guy in handcuffs, I think it lets everybody know that's not acceptable. So I think good job all the way around. Or for students, that becomes their martyr. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Because they're going to be like, look, we're just protecting our own here. But that's not the place for fans 
to protect the uh, players. They have people there to do that. So anyway, but it was interesting. I, I do agree with that. Uh, crazy stuff. Let's get – I want to get back a little bit to uh, to the Hawaii team now going up. This is going to be fun, I think, when they're up on this last road trip because they've got a challenge. They, You know, UC Davis on uh, tomorrow night is going to be there for bear. I guarantee it. They're going to be they've, – they've fallen apart a little bit. And they're in some danger of not even making the playoff, depending on what happens elsewhere, but uh, making the conference tournament. But I, I sort of think they will. I think they'll be a tough out for Hawaii because they typically have been. That's been a good challenge. Now, Hawaii handled its business up there, and, and who knew that that was going to be as done as easily. I don't want to say easily. It's never easy when you're playing a Jim Les team, but relatively easily. That was a good back-to-back pair of wins, that and UC San Diego. That was, uh, I thought those were good wins. They, they beat Davis by 17 at Davis. Crazy. That, that doesn't usually happen. Those are usually closer games. And I think this one will be a closer game. That would be my guess. And uh, so I think Hawaii's going to have a couple of challenges here coming up. Uh, but I also think that they could easily win three out of four uh, of the remaining four games. I think that could happen. And if that does happen, depending on what happens elsewhere, they could sneak into the fourth seed, which would be a bye situation. I th- I'm all about a bye, a bye. I don't think a two buys help necessarily as much because I think, you know, you can get rusty and another team can get hot. And, you know, you just you say, how can someone get rusty? But it can happen very quickly. And you don't want to risk that. I, I myself, if I could choose, I'd take one buy, not two. But uh, I, most coaches, I think, would disagree with me on that one. Um, we have a couple of situations here uh, that I think are interesting. Uh, the NBA is going to be facing decisions on how they treat situations like bad calls or non-calls like the Dante DiVincenzo call. I, I think this fining people when the thing is legit uh, for someone responding or saying something, I, I just don't like that because, hey, get control of the game and hopefully that doesn't happen. Let's do this. Let's take a quick timeout. We'll be right back. Remember, Sports Animals up next. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the program. I'm Bobby Curran along with Tanner Hayworth, and we've been talking about a number of things, concentrating largely as we will increasingly talking about the NFL upcoming draft. It's amazing how many teams believe they're a player or two away from the Super Bowl. I, I, I often think they're ridiculous because it doesn't prove to be true very often. How often can you point to one player that brought a team to a Super Bowl? I just don't think it happens very often. I think you really more, that's why I would be in favor in some cases, if you can get, let's say for Justin Field, let's just say for that pick, you could get three or four players 
the impact player starters, I would trade in a second. Because not that I don't think Justin Fields has the potential to still be a very good NBA player, uh, NFL player. I just don't think he's there yet. Uh, he's inconsistent, and I just think Chicago's more than a piece away. And I don't think you go get into a Super Bowl uh, with a brand new court with the quarterback. Um, I think it's unlikely. It's to go to go stock up. That's what I'd do. I'd go get a couple. If I could get four starters. That would, uh, Justin Fields would be headed to greener pastures. I, I think that would make a lot of sense to me. I And I don't know that that will be the case, but that's what I would be thinking. I just don't see any of the quarterbacks currently here that are currently in this draft that are likely to bring a team in this season, this next season, to a Super Bowl. I, I think that's the unlikeliest thing. To expect that even is crazy. So if I am the general manager, if I am uh, Ryan Pauls, I'm, I, I think there's no question that I'm making that trade because there's a chance that you know, maybe Justin Fields will turn out to be a great player, but he's just not there yet. And I don't think anyone's going to fire you for taking Caleb Williams. Uh, because he's just he's got some he's got the size thing he's got the arm he has the pedigree he was a Heisman Trophy winner I just think I think it's a different situation than Bryce Young I mean who was always small there was no way around that will Bryce Young ever be great I don't know now my I don't made this may be true I'm not accusing Mike Greenberg of lying but he's saying now that he was all about. The uh, the kid from, at Texas. It was going to be him, you know. And I don't know if I never. I, I can say this. I never heard him say that. That it would be the Stroud. I mean, maybe he was like that. Maybe he was there all all the way through. But I never heard him say it. He says it now. Says he was all about Stroud, C.J. Stroud, all the way, and he was always worried about the uh, the other guy being too small. And I, I listen. I got that thing in the NFL if you are you know six feet or less and he's about six feet I mean I think it's hazardous especially if you're a guy that likes to get out of the pocket and he did when he was at Alabama he was scoring touchdowns and picking up first downs and you know, is that maybe wise I, I would say possibly not and uh, and I don't know if he'll ever get to be the player he was supposed to be um, but uh, as a surefire number one, I never thought – I thought he was good, but he was at Alabama. We saw a lot of guys that were at Alabama that – I mean, I, I'm not sure I ever thought that the kid that the Patriots took, Mac Jones, was that good. You know, apparently what we all heard at the time was that uh, that basically – Nick Saban signed off on that to Belichick. But yeah, this guy's, you know, this kid's the real deal. I, I would say there's some real doubt about whether or not he was the real deal. I think even now, I've, and I said this, I did say this all the way along. I'm like, okay, but everyone wants to talk about Tua was, is a bust and then Mac Jones that first year and then, uh, and then of course, Jalen Hurts. And I'm like, hang on a second. Does everyone remember this? They were both at Alabama at the same time Tua was. And who did Nick Saban choose as the starter? Do, do you think Nick Saban knows anything 
about playing quarterback in the SEC? There wasn't any doubt in his mind. After spring practice, I think they knew this, that Tua was going to leave if if he didn't have, you know, a, a path to the starter. And I think he sort of believed he'd won that job already leading up to the Georgia National Championship game. want to thank everybody for joining us today. Appreciate the phone calls. For Tanner Hayworth uh, and from all of us at ESPN Honolulu, stay tuned for the Sports Animals. Chris and Gary, I'm Bobby Curran. Aloha.